0: Today and uh, the rest of this whole book is 28 chapters, so we'll only have eight more chapters after this. Uh, the rest of this whole book is going to be Paul's journeys to and from different cities. His uh, basically, he's going to get arrested before too long, and he's going to head to Rome. And so uh, we're gonna—that's how it ends. And so we're going to see that today is. Uh, we're we're still in Ephesus and he's about to leave Ephesus and something happens that makes him stay, you know, and uh, we're going to see, and to be honest, this is kind of a hard section for me especially, there's parts of it that are easy for me to apply to all of us but the, the end of it is kind of hard for me to apply so maybe we could talk about that and y'all can give me your insight on on what you think. But we're going we're gonna to see that the, the gospel, all Paul's doing is he's preaching the gospel and he's making disciples and his disciples are preaching the gospel. He's not picketing anything. He's not, you know, on a crusade to get Artemis worship. That's the goddess we're going to talk about here. Artemis is Diana. Uh, he's not on a crusade to get her temple shut down or nothing like that. He's just preaching the gospel, and uh, a riot is going to happen. A riot's going to go forth here in, in Acts chapter nineteen. So the first couple verses, he's just preparing. He's preparing to leave. He's done with what he needs to do, or he feels like it anyway, and he's being led by the Holy Spirit to just go. He, he, wants to go uh, to, uh, he wants to go back to Jerusalem. If you read in the letters to the Corinthians and to Rome, he's going to bring money that these churches had donated to the suffering believers in Jerusalem. Uh, he wants to go back to Jerusalem and do that. And then he wants to go to Rome. He wants to go. That's the center of the empire. That's where, you know, if he could get the gospel there, that is going to be a, that's going to be a, a, a hub where it can go out uh, to the whole world. That's what he wants to do. Verse. We're going to start in verse twenty-one. And I hope we can get us a lot like, of discussion going like we did last week. It says, after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Tim- Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a season. OK, so he's preparing to go. He's getting ready to go. He sends his two fellow workers ahead to prepare everything get everything ready and then from 23 down to 41 we're going to talk about this riot that happens in Ephesus now I want this is kind of important because I want you to see the motivation for the riot this guy named Demetrius he is going to uh, he's going to exhibit some qualities that we still see today in and out of church in in uh, religious circles remember all these people were religious they were worshiping Diana. Uh, At the same time, there arose no small stir about the way. What's that way? Yeah, it's Christianity. That's what they called Christians. They called them followers of the Way. Uh, for a certain man named Demetrius, he was a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana. It's also it's Artemis in Greek. Diana is a Roman name for this goddess. Uh, he brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, uh, and so he he called them together, the workmen of like occupation, and said, and I'm gonna stop there, and we'll talk about what he said in a minute. What what was going on here is these silversmiths in Ephesus, what they would do is they would make uh, the Temple of Artemis, Temple of Diana, was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was absolutely massive. And it was almost like a it was almost like a tourist attraction. Ephesus was a place with lots of uh, people coming. You know, it was right there on the west coast of Asia Minor, and people were coming by ship from all over, doing business, all these things. And people would come uh, to deposit money into the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana, and they would come to worship Diana. Diana was the goddess of uh, of she was the goddess of the hunt. She was the goddess of um, uh, uh, virginity. She was the goddess of fertility and the goddess of uh, like childbirth. You know, if you ever seen a picture of her, uh, she's like she's like a statue with a, with a bunch of a bunch of boobies on her. So if you, that's that's her. Anyway, what these guys did. Was they made little statues of her? They made little shrines, little things out of silver of Artemis, Diana, and the temple as well. They would make these little things, and they would go, and people would buy them. You know, they would buy them, and they'd take them home, and they'd set them on their mantle, and that's what they'd worship in their house. You know, they'd worship to worship Diana or, or Artemis, whatever you called her. Uh, they would bow down to these little statues, and people would come from all over the world, and they would sit out there. It's like going to Statue of Liberty. You ever been? If you ever go to Statue of Liberty, there's people around that sell these little statues of liberty. You know, the little little deals you go by. That's what they would do. And they'd make these out of silver. That was their trade. That was how they made their money. And so this guy named Demetrius, he, he gets all the silversmiths together and he's going to complain because this guy named Paul is wrecking their business. He's going to say, look at him. He says, sirs, Verse 25, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. This is how we make our money. He said, moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people saying that they be no gods which are made with hands so that now our, only this, our craft is in danger of being said at not is being danger of going out of business, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana or Artemis should be despised and her Magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard these things, they were full of wrath, cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Um, two things, two things that kept Demetrius from not only following the way, not only following Christ, but even allowing Christ to be spoken. What did Demetrius want? Money. He wanted money. He was, he was worried about his job. He was worried about business. And the second thing was his religion. You know, they were worshipers of Diana. They were worshipers of Artemis. And they saw the gospel as a threat. Now, was Paul going around on a campaign to get Artemis religion or Diana religion thrown out and he was not doing anything he was preaching the gospel and of course in the context of the gospel he would say there's only one true god and all these little idols aren't really gods you know so in the context of preaching the gospel he was doing that but he wasn't on a campaign to get the temple shut down or anything like that he was just preaching the gospel these same two things keep people from trusting christ uh, over and over again and they also keep they also keep believers from growing Growing in Christ, the same two things. Number one, you worried about you worried about your finances. You worried about how it's going to affect my business. Basically, it just costs too much. It costs too much for me to follow Jesus. It just costs too much. And the second thing is, I'm not. I, I cannot throw away my religion. Most for, for most of us, that's going to mean you know I'm a good person. I do good things. I, I I'm not going to say that I'm just wretched and no no good. And I'm not going to say that I'm a, I'm a lost sinner. I'm not going to do any of those things because to do that would mean to give up my religion. Now our religion isn't worshiping little silver statues but most people, especially in this area's religion is I'm a good person, I'm doing good things, I go to church every Sunday, I, I try to live my life. I try. They're not willing to give that up to say I'm blind, wretched, lost, and naked and I need a savior. They're not willing to give that up. So what are some other things that just people feel like it just costs too much for me to follow Christ. It costs too much for me to let this continue. Like if you
1: have friends that if you knew
0: you became a believer you wouldn't want
1: to be with them anymore.
0: So I mean it might not be money but it costs sure. all the people that you know Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would all the what would all these folks think? I can tell Dan can I tell the, the, the before we before we were Christians oh, Huh? Yeah. We went to the, no i'm not a vegetarian we went to uh we went to another church and we were in this sunday school class and in this sunday school class there was there was uh, the president of a bank there was what who else was it? Chiropractor. chiropractor there was lawyers there was there was like we was in we was in We was rubbing elbows with some, you know, as high as you can get in Brownsville, I guess. (laughs) But you know what I mean? We was like, we had these folks, you know, and well, this was, I was lost at the time. But uh, that's when Brother Eddie started the church and he he came to me one uh, Sunday night at this church we were going to. And (laughs) I was playing the guitar, singing a song that night, and he Told me, look, I'm starting a church down the road and I need some musicians. I need somebody to come play the guitar. I need. Of course, my answer to him was, well, I'll come once in a while, but I can't commit to nothing. And, uh, uh, when, when that happened, God just led me, even as a lost man, was like you're going to have to go and help him. You're going to have to go help get this church started and do the music and, and all that kind of stuff. And At the time, there were other musicians that had come. That's when, you know, Renee's brothers and sisters were all helping and, you know, I basically set everything up and did the sound and all that, you know, and played the guitar some. But after, after I went just once or twice, I came back and said, look, we've got to go We got to change churches. We got to go. It wasn't a matter of we don't like this church anymore or anything like that. It was just I feel like this is where I need to be. And that was one of the things we talked about. You mean, we're we're not going to get to be in the high society Sunday school class anymore. We're going to have to give up our, you know, and little did we know, not only did we give it up, but like when we came to Christ Church, it was like when they see you in Walmart, they were like... (laughs) You know, it's like not only did we, not only we not hang around them anymore, but we were, we were, uh, you know, we were X on the forehead. You know, going that crazy church out there. So it, it just, it costs, it costs something. It costs something. It costs something to follow Christ. It costs your life, really. I mean, it costs everything. You are gonna you are called especially in the context of the book of Acts, you're called to be a witness in every setting, in every place, in every you never get to take a break, never get to take a siesta, never get to take a holiday from being a witness for Christ. And if you are if there are sections of the places that you go, sections of friends that you have, sections of things that you live in where what you what you are doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking are not being a good witness for Christ, then you're sinning. That's sin. I don't care what it is. I mean, it don't have to be, it don't have to be explicitly laid out that, you know, if there are, if there are things that do not comport with what Christ would have you to do, then that's, that's sin. And so it costs too much. Why don't people want to lay down their religion? I mean, when we're talking about religion, I'm not talking about Buddhist-Muslim. I'm talking about just, I'm a good person. I'm doing, you know, all my works are good. I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing better than most people. And really, I don't have no complaints. Why don't people want to lay that down in order to... They're scared of commitment. Scared of commitment? That's probably true. They're going to have to
1: do something. Yeah? You know, where it's going to be like, them... Doing it instead of God changing their heart and making them
0: want to do it. Right, right. I
1: think it, I think they don't understand that God's going to change me so that I want to do these things that I don't want to commit to.
0: Right, right.
1: I think it's a relinquish of control. I can choose to do this or that. You know, this doesn't necessarily make me a bad person, as long as nobody knows about it. You know, it's it's a relinquish of control, which goes hand in hand with what Tammy was saying. Mm-hmm their pride too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say pride. So back on that story, you know, I, I was off on maternity leave. I just had just And that was my biggest thing. He said, I mean, we had, just, we had you know, we're having dinner parties. All these people were giving me all these baby showers.
0: Good. Okay. Yes, sir. I think. I think um, it doesn't require any act of faith. Yeah, and that's a big—that's a big deal. You'll often hear one of the one of the words I hate worse than any more than anything else in the world is the word rededicate. Now, if you mean by that that you know I've sinned and I need to repent, okay, I'm with you. It's all good. But people use the rededication thing because it's a way around saying, I'm a lost sinner. You know, you can just say, I need to come in. Mean, I, I'm really I'm good. I just got a little I got a little hiccup in the road and I need to come and just kind of smooth that out. That's basically what people want to come and rededicate because they they're not willing to let go of religion and say, I'm lost. I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing. Worth anything, there's nothing good about me, uh, they will not come that way. So, they use this word rededicate, and that's why I never use that word. I hate that word. Uh, now, like I said, if you mean I've sinned and I need to repent, I'm with you, okay? I got that. Uh, but they people use it to because they don't want to give up their goodness. You know, I, I'm really a good person. I really ain't done nothing that bad. At least I ain't on drugs. At least I ain't whatever. You know, they they want to keep that goodness, and they want to say, I, "I just need a little fix. I need a little help." One of the one of the things I remember about I used to do, I didn't do it, but I went to a Bible club that was at the high school here years ago, um, and I remember this little girl's testimony was, you know, I've I've always been a good girl. I've made a few mistakes, and Jesus has helped me correct those mistakes. And I was remember thinking, that is so not Christianity. I don't know what religion it is you're following. Sweet girl, I don't have no reason to believe she was anything other than you know, genuine. But that is not a Christian testimony. I, I, I've always been really good. I've made a few mistakes, and Jesus has helped me fix it. That is not Christianity. That's not the gospel. I don't know re- what religion that is, but it's not Christianity. And so that's where Demetrius was. His is a little different because they're worshiping an idol. They're worshiping... Diana their are worshiping Artemis but his problem was twofold number one I think his biggest problem was he he didn't want to give up his job he didn't want to give up that money you know he didn't want to he, he was seeing his idol sales go down because the gospel was being spread all through Ephesus and so it it wasn't just I can't accept Christ because it costs too much he, his deal was I can't let this continue we can't let these guys keep preaching the gospel because it's going to cost me too much. Now think about that think about that in the context of you'll always have people that are most of the time they'll even claim to be Christian because you know we live in West Tennessee and nobody most people claim to be Christian just because here we are in West Tennessee but they will be overly critical, they'll be overly uh, want to uh, want to nitpick different things because when when someone is saved Someone comes and realizes the, you know, the, the sin in their life and they, they receive Christ and Christ starts living through them. Christ starts moving through them. They start wanting to talk about Christ. They start wanting to live after Christ. There's people that are around. They have to shut that down. They have to shut that down because it costs them. The fact that you want to live uh, a, the gospel out. You want to live holy before the Lord. You want to uh, live for Christ and to have Him in the forefront of your mind. There's people around and not bad people. I'm not talking about evil people that dress all in black and all that stuff. I'm talking about what we would consider good folks. Just go to work. Feed their family. You know, just live in life. Uh, they have to shut that down. They have to. Most won't come and they'll just say, you just need to shut up by all, they won't do that, but they'll say, well, now, you know, we're all sinners, you know, you'll know they'll just they'll bring that religious uh, thing to the table just to make sure they shut that down because it costs them when you live holy or try to live holy before the Lord uh, in them, because what does it do? It shines a big light on the fact that. I don't, you know, I don't want to. I don't desire to. And so Demetrius was doing that same thing. His deal was not I want to follow Christ, but it costs too much. His deal was I want to sell these little idols, and Paul's gospel is getting in the way. People are being converted, and they're saying that these little gods are no gods at all, and we're losing money. We're not. We're not. We're not able to sell our little idols. And so what we got to do is we got to shut Paul down. We got to shut this gospel down, and that's what they wanted do. Do you know of people around you that they wouldn't come to you and say, you just need to quit all that, all that stupid, they wouldn't come and be that open about it, but they just it always got some kind of little,
1: uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Just something to throw a little water on the on the fire, you know what I mean? I say
1: something to somebody when they know that somebody's going to go back
0: and eat what they said. Yeah, yeah. Just it's just something. Most of the people that I've experienced this with, and to be honest, I, I did it. You know, like we were talking about, and when uh, I went to a Bible study after after I did get saved with some of those same people that were in that class, and of course. Jesus was all new to me. I mean, the real Jesus was all new to me and this Christianity thing was it was I mean, it was it was like I was I was on fire for this deal and we I went to this Bible study cuz these guys were my friends and I mean just everything I would say they'd try to put water on it. You know, and they wouldn't do it openly like that's just dumb. You don't need following Jesus. But they'd be like we all follow Jesus too, but what you got to realize is and then they would throw that they would throw that deal just to kind of douse that thing a little bit. You know, it was it was it, it would just cost too much to realize that um to realize that there's a problem in my own in my own life. It, it just costs too much i 'm not willing to i 'm not willing to give over to that uh, and if we 're honest if we 're honest, you can see some of that in your own life. I can see some in my own life. you can see some of that in your own life. There are things that you know uh,
1: you 'll make excuses for yourself that you wouldn 't
0: even excuse somebody else to oh yeah, God knows my heart. you will make an excuse for yourself that you wouldn't accept for somebody else. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So Demetrius gets all the silversmiths together in Ephesus. His two problems are number 1, I'm losing money. We can't sell our idols anymore. And number 2, they're they're throwing water on our religion. Diana of Ephesus is going to be they're going to mock her and they're going to she's not going to be uh, as highly exalted as she was. And so what happened was he got them he got them all together. What verse are we in? Thirty. 30. 30, 29. And the whole city was filled with confusion. Not only, it starts in just the craftsmen. It starts in just the silversmiths. But they start yelling, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. They start yelling this. And pretty soon, the whole city gets involved. And it becomes a mob. It becomes a mob that are are shouting their praise for uh, Artemis, for, for Diana. And it says the whole city was filled with confusion and what they're doing here is they're marching toward the theater. It says that at the end of the verse, they rushed with one accord into the theater. Theater in Ephesus could hold like 24, 25,000 people. It was the place where it was the, place where the guilds met. It was the place where the city's business was conducted. It wasn't just the theater like to go watch plays and stuff. This was like the big amphitheater at Ephesus. You can still see it's still there today. You can see the ruins of it on, on the internet. But they were going that way and on the way they grabbed two guys that 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 were companions of Paul. It says, with confusion, and the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. Now, so this has become, this started out as one dude saying, you know what, uh, we're losing all our money, and our, our great goddess is being, you know, defamed by this gospel. They're saying gods made with hands are no gods at all. And it started out with one dude that riled up this guild of silversmiths and it turned into a huge mob that was rushing through the city shouting great is Diana of the Ephesians and on the way there they grabbed these two guys that were known companions of Paul and the way the text is framed it's talking about they violently seized them. We're not talking about hey come with us or we're not talking about hey you're under arrest we're talking about a mob grabbing you and dragging you in there uh, there's no telling what they wanted to do or what was going what was going to happen to them. so let me just tell you the events of what happened and then we'll talk about it um, it says Paul wanted to go in he Paul wanted to go in and, and talk to him, do something, try to fix it, probably to help his friends as well it says and when Paul would have entered into the into the people, the disciples suffered him not they they didn't want him to go, they told him not to go, uh, and they wouldn't let him go into the theater. Can you imagine uh, can you imagine Paul? rushing off into these th- into this big, huge mob, uh, he would have probably, probably been in, in great danger. Uh, he would have went into the people, and it says, And certain of the chief of Asia, these, um, these were city officials, that, that were his friends, sent unto him, him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Uh, why do you think they wanted to keep him out? I mean, it's pretty obvious, but why, why, would, why was Paul wanting to go in? To the what do you think he could have done? <laughs> probably nothing. What do you think he would have tried to do? Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah he would probably probably would have tried to preach the gospel. Probably he was concerned for his companions. He. Uh, Huh? To defend them, to you know, these guys. Paul was all about. He, he could handle suffering. He was. He was a fragile. He was a fragile-looking guy. History tells us. His, historians say he was a little bow, ball-headed, bow-legged. Big nose guy, Uh, but I mean, this. There's no doubt. I mean, he could take a licking and keep on ticking. He'd get beat to the point of death, and then get up and walk 60 miles, you know, to the next city. Uh, And so he was. He was ready. He was ready to defend his friends. He was ready to defend his companions. He was ready more than anything to defend the gospel. But at this point, the mob had had turned into just chaos. Uh, In the next verse, it says. It says uh, some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together, so by this time they didn't, why they were they didn't most of them didn 't even know why they were there they was just they were just a mob, they were just mob mentality, uh, they didn't have a clue what was going on, most of them you know the silversmiths knew what was going on and why how this all started, but by this time it had descended into uh, they just didn't even have a clue what was going on and they was willing to willing to pretty much do anything when you get when you get a mob of people together it uh, well, of course you know i mean you got you see the news today you got anything can happen anything can happen when you get a mob of people people uh, a person a person is intelligent but people are really stupid when they get together when they get together and, and turn into a mob and so this is what happened, and this is where I have a hard time applying this to us, so maybe y'all can help me with this. Paul doesn't get to go in. Paul doesn't Paul is not the centerpiece of this story. Uh, we're going to see this story in by actually an Ephesian, the the what, what I would call the governor of Ephesus is, they call him the town clerk in this translation but he is the head official in Ephesus. He basically disperses the mob. It says the, some of the Jews got together and they wanted to put Alexander this guy named Alexander up there to quiet the multitude and it says verse 33 and they drew Alexander out of the multitude the Jews putting him toward, forward Alexander beckoned with his hand and would have made a defense unto the people he wanted to this guy wasn't a Christian he was a Jewish guy from the synagogue and he was trying to silence the mob but when they knew that he was a jew all with one voice about the space of two hours cried great is diana of the ephesians great is artemis of the ephesians now can you imagine why would they seeing that he's jewish all of a sudden not pay attention to him and yell great is artemis of the ephesians or great is diana of the ephesians for two straight hours what difference does it make that he was Jewish? Jewish didn't worship the Greek God. They didn't? They didn't? But remember, at this time, they connected Christianity with what? Judaism. With Judaism. Christianity, in their minds, was a sect of Judaism. It was... It was Apart. It was just this one little band of, of Jews. They believed in this Messiah. And all the rest of the Jews didn't believe in this Messiah. And we're going to see that. That's, that's kind of important, especially when you talk about history, is that up until, up until the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., uh, Christianity was by and large seen as part of Judaism. It wasn't until the city and the temple and all that was destroyed that Christianity became separate in the minds of the Romans. Uh, they saw this as a separate religion. So when they saw Alexander stand up and try to talk to him, what were they thinking? It's Paul's buddy. It's one of Paul's people. He's the one causing all this trouble. He's the one getting us into all this stuff. We're not gonna listen to him. We're not gonna listen to nothing you got to say. And I can imagine this guy for two hours standing there going, okay, okay, and they just yelling. Great as dying of the fever for two hours. It's hard to yell anything for two hours. Mm-hmm two hours they go to yell and greatest they were they were so incensed about the fact that their their particular religion was uh my goodness i hear them putting them tables up anyway let's hurry up let me finish and then you can tell me what you think so they wouldn't let him talk verse 35 through 41 is all this town clerk this this head official he stands up He says, alright guys, listen. This is what's going on. Let me just read it. It says, and when the town clerk had appeared to the people, he said, ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how this city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana? He says, what are y'all doing? We all know that we worship Diana. We all know we worship Artemis. And the image which fell down from Jupiter. That is, there was a, a legend that the image, the word Jupiter there could also be translated heavens, not Jupiter. But, uh, it the, the the legend the myth was that the statue of artemis herself the statue of diana had, was not created with Human hands, but had fell down from heaven. He said, We all know that we worship Diana. We all know that her statue fell from heaven, and it was a gift from the gods. Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, he said, You ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly, for you have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, churches, there is the word temples, robbers of temples, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. He says, These guys that you tied up, and I don't know if they tied them up, but these guys that you hogtied and brought into the theater they have not robbed anybody's temple they have not blasphemed your goddess uh, and it says so you need to, to be quiet wherefore if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man the law is open he said the courts open and the deputies are there he says let them in, in plead to one another he says if if Demetrius has a case that he wants to bring his Paul he needs to do it legally he needs to do it in the court he says but if you in Require anything concerning other matters; it shall be termine, determined in a lawful assembly. You got to do it lawfully, for we are in danger to be called into question for today's uproar. There being no cause whereby we might give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly and they went home. So Paul's not even in the picture. His disciples aren't even in the picture. Other than they standing there like, oh crap, we're going to get killed. Who saves the day? This guy who doesn't, I mean, there's no indication that he's a believer. There's no indication that he's he's just the civil magistrate. He's the governor. Now, he's scared because when the Romans, if there's a riot that goes on, Rome's going to come down hard. I mean, they're going to they let the garrison loose. First thing they're going to do is they're going to quell the riot by any means necessary. Uh, they'll chop heads off. They'll, they'll go through there uh, just eating up flesh until they, get it, until they get it calmed down. And the second thing they'll do is they'll for sure uh, remove the, the head official from the city most of the time they'd execute him for allowing a rebellion or a riot or insurrection take place and so this guy's pretty worried about his skin I'm sure but he says he says look you can't deny that if Ephesus worships Diana you can't deny that Diana's a goddess and her statue fell from heaven for us to worship nobody's really saying anything against these, these guys you got here they haven't robbed anybody temple, they haven't blasphemed the goddess. What were they doing? They were simply preaching the gospel. They weren't on a crusade to get Diana worship gone. They weren't on a crusade to get the temple shut down or anything like that. They were simply preaching the gospel. And, you know, in God's providence, he provided this guy who quelled this riot and let these guys go. We're going to see they go on their journey. Paul leaves Ephesus in the next chapter. But I think it's instructive. Um, I want to put this the right way. I'm not really called. No, if, if it's in there, you can point it out to me. I may be mistaken. I'm not called to go march on anything. I'm not called to go picket nothing. Uh, there there are people that, that I know and respect that uh, stand out in front of abortion clinics, but what they do is not you know, hold signs and yell they witness to the women that are going into the abortion clinics. They give them the gospel. They try to speak to them about who Jesus is and and the value of, of life and, and, that, and that kind of thing. Um, Paul and his companions were preaching the gospel. They were not on a crusade to get Artemis done away with or Diana done away with. They were not on a crusade, crusade to get uh, all this temple shut down and all that stuff. They were preaching the gospel because they knew, and the biblical writers know, that the gospel itself is the power of God to change hearts. And when hearts are changed, then, then communities are changed, and then countries are changed, and then the world is changed. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. This is just, this may not be a valid application for for nobody but me, but I'll give you a perfect example it doesn't make a hill of beans. It doesn't make a hill of beans who gets elected president. Really it doesn't. I mean I got a guy, I got I got one I'm gonna vote for, you got one you gonna vote for, we're all gonna vote the way we wanna vote. But Christ is in control and the gospel is the only thing that's gonna change the country. Patrol. You elect a dude in office, it's great. You, I mean or or a lady, I guess, if that's who you're going to look for, you go for, you know, you need to go to the altar. But. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> I sure didn't mean to say that. <laughs>
1: neither
0: neither one. <laughs> nobody i mean i don't care if if one of your if one of your guys was in the primary and didn't get the nomination and that's who that's what our country needs and i you know stand that's fine. But there's nobody that nobody's going to fix this world or this country or this community or your home except the gospel. Amen. It's the gospel that's going to that's going to do it. And so rather than rather than put all, all our hope in a and I'm not saying don't vote, I'm going to vote. And i you know, it's, that's what we do. Uh, but that's not where our hope lies is in some guy or some lady is going to come along that's going to fix the country. Our hope lies in the gospel and that's what Paul and them were focused on. They weren't focused on Artemis worship or changing the city by getting things you know and you can't, you can't apply that across the board I'm all for getting laws changed and petitioning for this law or that law moral things godly things I'm all for that so I'm not saying none of that's wrong but what I'm saying is our hope doesn't lie our hope for the world our hope for our families our hope for life our hope for God's kingdom doesn't lie in us getting the right laws past. It lies in the gospel changing hearts. And when the gospel changes hearts, it changes behavior. And when it changes behavior, it changes lives, which changes communities and countries and changes the world. You understand? Mm -hmm. Now, am I wrong? Well, the the people seem to have the mindset that if we can't have our religion, you can't have yours either. Because they put themselves in danger by bringing the Romans (laughs) in. By throwing this big fit Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they throw, they throw the big old chaotic riot almost to bring the Romans down. And if they come in, they was going to destroy everything. Get rid of this, get rid of that. So if, if and they knew the gospel had the power to change the world. Yeah. If we can't have our religion, you ain't going to have your religion. Either, so I mean. You may be right. You may be right. The Romans didn't take kindly to riots. They didn't take kindly to insurrections or rebellions. That's base. That's really how. That's what caused Jerusalem's destruction in seventy. Was they they started rebelling about sixty five, by sixty six Roman the Romans brought the hammer down, and by seventy there was no city, nothing. It was rubble. So, you, you're probably right. Anything else? My opinion, just overall of Rome, is
1: that they. As long as you was quiet and didn't
0: disturb nothing, they could get up you do anything you wanted to. Oh yeah, they didn't care. Uh, the as long as you paid your taxes. Right, you paid yeah. your taxes. you kept They did care less. Didn't